Awaken Your Alpha, episode 28, Andy Wake. This episode is sponsored by the UK Youth Conditioning Association. This summer, and going into the autumn, we are doing our first ever UK tour. To find out more, head over to ukycacourses.com for all the dates, and the early bird is still available now. That's for parents, teachers, coaches, anyone who's keen and works with under 18s. Join our private Facebook group, UK Youth Conditioning Professional, meet and hang out, and collaborate with like-minded professionals. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, live limitless. I know Andy Wake through Pole Vault going way back, and my experience of him was obviously we have to hang around for hours at Pole Vault competitions. Interested and funny guy, and into boxing, fighting, bare knuckle fighting, stuff like that. So very interesting stories, which hopefully we'll touch on. But then, um, later come to found, only recently in about last three years or so, he is the man behind the worldwide phenomenon, if I can say that, boxercise. Um, his other credits, he he basically was there for my second greatest experience in athletics was when I beat him once, when I really shouldn't have, and hopefully we can talk about that as well. So, Andy Wake, are you ready to awaken your alpha? Yeah, definitely. And I do remember that competition <laughs> because it was it was at Jarrow and it was a really wet day. Fluky springs to mind. A yeah. Very uncomfortable day. And I, I thought that I was firing on all cylinders. <laughs> that day you handed me my arse on a plate. And uh, I was really disappointed that day because I was thinking I was gonna I thought I was gonna walk away with it. But you know what? It's you can never underestimate your opponent. It's a very good rule in life that and um, it wasn't so much that I, I mean I jumped to the best of my ability but that day you jumped out of your skin and did a PB you did 460 yeah this is the thing we came into that we were talking at the competition I think I was usually the B string bowler but my brother was away so I was A string so I got pushed up to your sort of in your competition um, we was chatting your PB was literally probably about 60 centimetres above mine which is obviously is yeah. over half a metre like three foot plus or something and when you get a PB, it's usually 10 centimetres, maybe 20 if you're lucky. Um, I think you jumped, you, you jumped a PB by 30 or something. 40, like cent, 40 centimetre PB. A 40 centimetre. It had been coming for a while <laughs> and it just it came together. And so I jumped, like you say, 40 centimetres above and you didn't obviously get close to your PB and we battled it out. And uh, like we just talked about, I think it came down to... Uh, I cleared it on the first attempt. Maybe you cleared it second attempt or something like that. It was really tight. Yeah, it was. It was very. It was very very close. But that was easily. That was the best competition I ever had. Like as a competition, because obviously that was to win it. So um, that was brilliant fun. <laughs> it was good. A lot of people don't don't sort of realise it when you when you think about the athletics teams. But there's a, there are four um, divisions at the top, and there's only um, six teams in each division. Um, and people can say what sort of level. Uh, are you competing at? Well, even the lowest British division is the equivalent of competing in the Premiership in football. <laughs> and um, you know, if you if you think about it, you know, the, it, there are twenty. If you're in the Premiership, then each footballer must be getting paid about part of a million quid. Oh yeah, each year, at, le- at least. And um, you know what? There is no money in athletics. <laughs> yeah, should you should you do athletics or football? You know, if, you, if you've got a choice, do football because you know where else could you? There's 20 teams with 20 players in yeah. each team. Where else could you be the 400th best in your sport in the country and get paid a million quid? Well, I mean, take that down another notch. I'm sure we all know some. I know some absolute. 
donkeys, absolute useless individuals and football players who earn <laughs> money out of their sport. It's ridiculous. Who are, obviously, it's sport. It's football, even. I had a guy I was coaching a long time ago, and um, he was a very talented swimmer and had the potential at his event to certainly be in the top two. Um, I, I wouldn't like to say he would have been number one because that's, uh, that's presumptuous, yeah. but he certainly could have been top two. Um, he's also a very good footballer, good enough to be about 400th best in the country. <laughs> um, basically, you know, uh, good enough to play. In, in the premiership and I said what What do you think I should be around here and I said you know what I said you, you've got to make a choice for you and anyway, he went and played premiership <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he, he made that decision yeah buy himself a house oh, that's crazy yeah that's but even even right up to the the top level, I mean, it's probably got a little bit better now since the 2012 Olympics. But I just remember like a friend we was just talking about, who's literally British record holder, and he was professional, but he still wasn't fully professional. As in, he was mass massaging people and working all hours whilst he was going to the Olympics because he didn't have enough money to you know to just be a, a hundred percent professional. And when That's when right. it drove me insane, I'm sure he wasn't a fan of it, but it really wound me up that like number one in a sport in the country, and then it was that factor of you know if you're number one thousandth in the in the country at football, you probably you know you do all right. <laughs> you earn enough money to to pay your wages. Yeah. The rest of your life. yeah. Well, in in the case of the the chap he was talking about, he he would be on lottery funding, and he'd be receiving at the very most fifteen thousand pounds a year. Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't for lottery funding before the days of lottery funding, he would have had to have generous parents or something like yeah. that, you know, to something more back in the very old days. But, a lot of the, yeah. uh, the, the the big names like Sir Roger Bannister, etc. Those guys had full time jobs. Yeah. To train well, I, yeah, I know for a fact he was always turned up to train absolutely knackered because he was been working and massaging people and then going to work after training and just. You know, it's that that we talked about how fine it is between you know no medals and a bronze or a silver or gold and things like that. If you're day in day out training knackered because you're working all the time, obviously that's going to make the difference. Yeah, definitely, it makes a huge difference. Um, the, the most important part of any training program is rest. Yeah. And um, if you are not rested, um, I remember um, an interview with um, Steve Ovett, the former world mile record holder. Um, world 1500 meter record holder and he, he described his day as eat and sleep train and that's exactly what it should be yep. for an athlete it shouldn't be anything else eat and sleep train nothing else definitely and, um, and that's really what <laughs> it's a shame that they can't uh, that some of our guys don't get the opportunity to do that but I think the, the more difficult thing for athletes is that when they when they do finish they then have um uh, they have to rehabilitate almost a bit like a soldier coming out of the army back into normal society. <laughs> yeah. Job. They, they, put, they put their life on hold for however long. I think there's probably a, a decent market in, in running some sort of rehabilitation course for these guys to get them back into normal well, life. I, I completely agree because I wasn't even a full time athlete, but I felt like I literally had put all my other stuff on hold. And if I hadn't have had the injury in 2000, well, 2008 that literally cut my athletics out in one swoop, I definitely wouldn't be doing this podcast now because it literally was, oh, what do I do now? Because my job and my lifestyle was all basically to support my athletics and around that. <laughs> We've got a, a little girl, my wife and I, yeah. and um, we, we delayed uh, having children. And I, I wouldn't have children until I've got my athletics out of the way because I knew that I wouldn't have enough time to devote to um, uh, 
Yeah. Can you add a little bit more to your sort of your very brief bio that I gave you, and maybe sort of what you consider your area area of alpha or mastery? My background was that I had some um, school like everybody did, and um, I spent the, my A level years. Um, I'd, I'd managed to get to being a junior international in pole vault when I was sixteen. So by the time I was seventeen, and was supposed to be focusing on my A levels. It, it was. I was quite aware that my um, athletics was where my future was. Yeah. Um, and I left school with not too brilliant A levels, but with um, with a senior international vest under my belt by the time I was eighteen. Um, and then I had a bit of a nasty motorbike crash, which wasn't. Oh, how old were you when you had that? Oh, uh, nineteen, and um, it stopped me going to the Commonwealth Games in um, nineteen ninety. And um, had I gone? to the Commonwealth Games, I thought that would be quite likely to have medals looking at the heights. Yeah. Damn. And I was very um, disappointed and extremely angry uh, and decided to channel my aggression and I was a lot of it uh, into boxing. I wasn't able to vault um, at the same level for quite some time after that uh, because my leg had been kind of mashed up yeah. I was able to box and um, it turned out strangely enough that I was actually better at fighting than I was at pole vaulting <laughs> uh, my first love despite what I mean what the boxing world might think my first love of athletics always has been always yeah. I finished off I've been boxing amateur for quite a while and I finished off my amateur career um, and then turned professional um, I'm 33 as a professional a lot of those were licensed fights <laughs> because the um, if you fight in licensed fights, there's a, a licensing fee that has to be paid to the British Boxing Board of Control. Yeah. Basically, unlicensed fights, you get paid better. Uh, in unlicensed fights, basically, as long as you agree to fight, you, you're going to fight. <laughs> you know, and and I, there's a couple of times where my opponent didn't show up and said, well, do you want to fight this guy? He's 15 stone. Now he's a middleweight, so I'm going to let him off. Fuck yeah, I don't care. I say... Um, how I imagine it, Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I always just think of like lock, stock and two smoking barrels or something like that. That's how I picture you. It's, um, <laughs> it, that's a bit of a glamorised version of it. I can imagine, uh, yeah. It's, it's not quite like that. If, if you wanted a better version of what it's actually like, there, there is a film that was done back in the very early 80s with Liam Neeson. And <gasps> it's a film called The oh. Big Man. And um, that is, that's the most accurate. Brilliant. I love my movies and I haven't seen that. Well, that, the guy that he fights in there, who's his opponent, is actually an ex-Bermical champion. The fighting one, the guy that he trained and, um, and leveled him fairly quickly. But he <laughs> was the guy that choreographed the fights and the fight scenes and so, was the consultant oh, for it. And it was a, that's probably about the most accurate um, portrayal, if you like. Whereas Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels was a fantastic film. Oh, I love it. Probably not that no. accurate. You know? <laughs> um, the most accurate thing in that is the fact that um, Lenny McLean, who was... Oh, yeah, the, the governor. Yeah, yeah, the governor. Um, he was a scary he, he bloke. He had a, a cameo in the film. But who can forget Vinnie Jones or Big Chris? I mean, oh. he was fantastic. You know? Would, I want to interview uh, Jason Statham as well. He's on the list. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hunt him down eventually. So. Yeah, he's um, he'd, he'd be interesting. He's an ex-diver, apparently. Yeah, no, that's what. 
That's what I was doing. Yeah, I love that film. Yeah, Commonwealth Games diver. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a he's a you know he comes from a, a sporting background. So I'm sure he'll have some different injury stories. Yeah, that would be an interesting but, yeah interesting yeah, story. I was doing a lot of dead end jobs. I was a, a doorman. I was a debt collector. Not not the kind of debt collector where it's like you know the um, a, a bailiff where it's like official and. You know, it's like I turn up, you pay me the money. It's that that kind of debt collecting. And it's not very nice. Yes. Yeah. You don't have a good feeling about doing it. Um, it. It's the kind of job that you only do if, you, if there's nothing else. And you know, back in the late '80s and, and early '90s in Newcastle, there was not many opportunities. Um, it's changed now. Things have changed. Things have got better. But then I, I just got fed up with it. And one one day, I think it, it was about two days before clearing closed for universities, I just decided I've had enough of it, I'm going to uni. And um, so I, I drove across to um, the, the careers office and the lady was after work and she was just closing up and the lady was really nice. She opened up again, gave me the the book of, uh, the UCAS book. I then uh, went the next day with one day to go before clearing finished. And um, I was supposed to be working as a shelf stacker in the supermarket. I just <laughs> locked myself in the storeroom and locked the boss out and kept using work phone in my phone constantly for two hours. And finally got through and talked my way into an interview and went to uni. That is awesome. That's all about hustle there. I think we can learn from that, it definitely. Was, it, yeah. it was a case of all my friends were either dead or going to jail and I needed to sort my shit out and it had to be done very, very quickly. Um, so there was no, uh, there was no second chance for me. It absolutely was. It, this is the last chance. So um, I, I managed to get to. Um, so Andy, would you say that was that moment? Then would you say that was like in the terms of this interview? Was that like an awaken type moment? That is that when it all started to change? Is that the turning point you'd say? It was the it was the absolute pivotal moment in my life. Yeah. And, and the thing was, like anything um, that is worth having, it wasn't easy. Um, my parents tried to talk me out of going because they didn't want me to go, they wanted to stay. My friends tried to talk me out of it. Yeah. Um, everybody tried to talk me out of it and say, oh, no, no, stay here, do this, do this, do this. Yeah. And you know what, I, I knew where, where I was headed if I didn't change what I was doing. Hey, it'd be interesting to try and guess where you'd be now if you'd have stayed on that path, uh, if you'd still be here for starters. Probably without a doubt. Um, I mean, I, I didn't mention who um, I was, who I was collecting for, um, but um, if, if if you knew who, who the people were, um, you you would know that um, it would have led to death. Blimey. There's no way. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you made the choice, mate. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, it was stupidity, it's absolute stupidity, and um, you know, it, it's not true that you don't get to walk away from something like that. You do get to walk away from, but but you you you've got to never look back. Yeah. Um, when did the uh, idea of boxer size come into your head? Like it wasn't as such. It, it was born out of necessity, and it happened at uni. We we had a boxer club, and. Um, and there was a guy who used to run it before, uh, while I was there in the, the first year. And I was boxing professionally at this time, so I didn't have that much time to devote to it. But I used to go down there and do have a little bit of a, a gentle spa with some of the, the amateur guys, because it, it's not fair to put a pro in with uh, the 
Jersey Hunters. Yeah. And um, I'd, I used to go down there and you know, basically let beat me up a little bit, you know, and I'd work on my defence and they were attacking. And I didn't really get involved in the coaching of it until the year after when this guy, um, Andy Lee, left uni and they needed someone to take over the boxing club. So I said, oh, I, mean, I, I know a bit about boxing, I can, I can coach them. Um, so what we, and we had university championships, those sorts of things come up. So I started coaching the boxers. But then I was also friends with quite a lot of the guys on the rugby team and the football team. And they said, we'd love to come and do the training, but we don't want to do the sparring. Um, what's the, ah, the light bulb. <laughs> yeah, and what happened was they said, can we come along and do the training? And I said, yeah, of course you can. But the, the boxing club was already pretty full. Um, so what I did was I decided uh, to run another session after that. I did I mean, I was simple at the time. I had as much time on my hands as I liked. Yeah. And um, so the boxing club would go seven to eight. And then the, um, it would, we'd have a session, a, a boxing training session after that. It got popular, like really popular. We yeah. had about 60 people or something come into it. And um, I had to start charging people 50p to come in so that we could buy some more kit. Yeah. Uh, for the class, and then one of these, one of the girls that came in, I never invented the word box exercise. She just came in and she said, "Oh, I like this boxing exercise uh, class. It's really good, you know. This boxing exercise, box size stuff." And I was like, "Well, I like that name. Yeah. I said, you know what? I'm going to call it that." And That's then awesome. I did. Does she know that she came up with a name? Um. It, I don't know. I've never seen a and back then. You know what? Yeah. I never thought that it would ever amount that boxer size would amount to what it is. I just thought it was just it was a training session for some mates. You know, yeah. trainers from other gyms started coming uh, along to the sessions, and they were saying, "Oh, can you train us to, to teach this?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I can, but because I've got a high in a hall, I'm going to have to charge you." And I started out like that, just training a few. That is brilliant. That's the way, isn't it? For demand, that's brilliant. Yeah, you know ambition at that stage was to own my own gym, which yeah. I did eventually do. My professional boxing career came to an end um, not that long after that. Um, and uh, I said I would only do five years um, at top level and then I'd walk away because I, I was quite aware that my speech was becoming slurred. And up to 18 months. Blimey. Uh, yeah, up to 18 months of that, um, in, into that, it's rel it's pretty much reversible. Um, once you go beyond eighteen months uh, of slurred speech, it, it's, it then is considered to be irreversible. That is scary um, stuff. It was, um, and I said, right, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna retire at the end of I think it was '94, um, and, and I did. So, Andy, I, I mean, I'm gonna try and give you a chance to just to show off a bit because obviously people are going to be listening to this from all over the world can you just hit us with like the current stats of boxer size because it is a beast now it is massive at the minute we have in, in this country alone there are 10 venues but the boxer size is done in 30 countries at the minute um, you know to greater and lesser extent yep. in there um, in this country there are 2.1 million participants um, of yeah. which around about 450,000 are school kids where we've trained up their teachers. Um, there are 19,000 boxer size instructors that we've trained since the that, year. Of that is a legacy, that is impressive. Yeah, makes me uh, the happiest is to think that there are so many people who are exercising who would not have been 
exercising as a result of what we've done. This is our Yoda question. Who helped awaken your alpha and who helped, you know, in this process? I'm sure it wasn't one person, but it might, there might be a standout figure. It's up to you. The guy that gave me the idea to go to uni was a guy called Peter Chang, a Chinese guy that I was working for, um, debt collecting. And um, Peter just said, hey, since you're not a stupid guy, because you could go to university, you just go as a mature student. And I thought, Peter, that's a brilliant idea. And he <laughs> actually gave me the idea. When I went to work for somebody else, once I'd finished my uni course, um, I went to work in somebody else's gym. Yep. I worked for um, a guy called Joseph Feiner, and um, he was very hot on uh, marketing. He's, he had incredibly high standards. Um, as he said, my standards are 100% because if everybody else, if my standards are only 90, everyone are down to 90. So, you know, he was so tough on, yeah. on every little tiny thing. And I think I picked up a, a great deal from him. Well, we're going to mix it up now as well. And I really wanted to squeeze this one in on this in your interview. I don't always do this. This is the yin yang round because I've got a few I want to, are interested to see which way you go on this. So, P90X or Insanity? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one a lot of fitness guys struggle to get. It's funny. Tea or neither. Tea or coffee? Tea or coffee? Oh, green tea. Green tea. Okay. Home cooked or dinner out? Oh, dinner out all the time. Yeah. San Francisco or New York? Oh, New York. Okay. Beer or wine? Oh. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'll be specific. I'm going to say Bollinger Champagne. Okay, cool. That's fine. Yeah. Right, and we're gonna go. I can we, do very specific about that. We're gonna have some face-offs now, then. Okay. If you were being chased in their own environment, bear or shark? Oh, um, definitely a bear, um, because if it's a, oh, you know what, you've got a better chance about running the shark because you can just turn around, and punch them on the nose. Can't this you? is the thing, but I, I can, I think you'd have a good chance against a bear with your background, actually. So I don't know. I, I would fancy, I would fancy my chances against. Uh, Sylvester Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Oh God, both, definitely both. No, come on, um, I'm going to pin you on this because I know you've got your, your rocky background, so it's up uh, to you. This is a tough you know one. What? Um, I've read Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, Oh, I love it. So, okay, so if you had to... I say, right, I've got these two guys on the line. You can only speak to one. You know what? I would have to go with Arnie. Yeah. I'm a big Slice Stallone fan. He's a better actor than the two. Um, (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I know, I know. But, um, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I would have to go with Arnie. Hey, you're preaching um, to the converted I here. Okay, well, I think I know the answer to this one, but maybe I'm wrong. Muhammad Ali or Tyson? And I'm going to change this slightly. I'll say on their, at their peak, so maybe take away, obviously, all the issues Tyson had. So yeah. as a boxer then, or just you're, Muhammad Ali or Tyson? It turns out he wins the fight. On his day, at his peak, I'm going to be really controversial with this. I think Tyson blows Ali away. I'm, I'm with you on this. I'm with you on this. On his peak, he was an absolute animal. <laughs> I... What a lot of people don't realise is that, um, and I've read Tyson's autobiography too, it's very interesting. Um, people refer to Mike Tyson at his peak the day that he beat um, Michael Spinks. Now, Tyson had been on the piss for two years and taking coke and all sorts.
This is our complete blank around, so you just got to fill in the blanks for me. Your best friend would describe you as? Probably <laughs> funny. I would think funny. Okay. Last time you were drunk was? Oh, about three days ago. That's the weekend. I was just working it out. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, right. that was the weekend, yeah. Sure, um, I, it, and there was a reason for it as well. My, um, I wasn't going to be having anything to drink at all this week. And um, my, uh, we've just, had some good news. My wife has uh, got her letter back from basketball. She's now um, six years cancer free. Oh, brilliant. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thanks. No, it, it doesn't get much better. No, just a so bit. Definitely um, have a drink. So, that. And she said, so do you want to have a bottle of champagne with me? And I said, yeah, okay. So we have <laughs> yeah, champagne. definitely. And then I had a little bit more as well. And I'm not very good at drinking. It doesn't take much to get drunk. <laughs> so, awesome. So, yes, yeah, Saturday night. What is your favourite movie of all time and, and why? Empire Strikes Back. And oh. I am your father. That is um, awesome. My, my, nickname in, it, my nickname in boxing, the boxing world, calls me Yoda. Um, <laughs> so I'm a big Star Wars fan. That is awesome. Um, We've made it to the alpha round now. So this is where you give us all your favourite tools, tips and resources. And we start that off with, could you recommend a good book for us? Mike Tyson's autobiography, if you can stand swearing, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's quite uh, explicit. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's is very good. I'm yes. Read it. At the minute I'm reading The Chimp Paradox by Steve Peters. Oh, this is the book we mentioned. This is a brilliant one. Yeah. So. Absolutely fantastic book. Um, I'm discovering all sorts of things about myself that I didn't want to. <laughs> and I'm learning how to put them right. Put the chimp, don't um, rattle the cage with a chimp in it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, my little girl is calling me Champanzi at the moment. I'm a champion chimp. So she's calling me Champanzi. If I have to pick a single one book, it's, it's an easy choice for me. It's the principles of um, it's motor learning and performance by Schmidt and Reisberg. Um, very much in sports psychology, um, different learning styles, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, learning how to coach each person to, to the best of their own ability um, and to suit their learning style so the coach has to adapt. I'm very much into that. I'd love to have time to read yeah. fiction, but I just don't have the time. Um, Last time I really hit a lot of fiction was when I was on a truck going through Africa for 73 days. So that's that is when you have some time in your hands. So yeah, that... you do have some time then, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, I got well into cool. books. Brilliant. Okay, have you got a particularly high-tech or low-tech resource that you use all the time that helps you run the boxer size empire or just be productive? Well, we've actually just, we're just in the process of changing a new uh, thing called Infusionsoft. I... What I found was that all the people who are really serious about business using Infusionsoft and those who are trying to do things on the cheap use Dayweather. Now, I've got nothing against yep. Dayweather. If you know how to use it and you can utilize it, that's great. But I looked at the two in, in a lot of depth, and, and yet we haven't got our stuff set up yet. Looking back to your, your origin stories, um, what do you think was holding you back 
You know, why was it? Because it sounds like it came so close to going the other way. What was holding you back? Truthfully, I don't know. I, don't, yeah. I, 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 I haven't really, I don't overanalyze this. No. Um, I don't know. Um, probably confidence, if anything. Yeah. Uh, confidence to actually step outside of where you are and, and to just say. So, do you think it was your environment linked to that then? You People glibly talk about stepping outside your comfort zone. It's a very hard thing to do, and it's a very scary place to go. Yeah. Um, and I do understand people that can't do it. Um, now, this is the wake-up question. So if you were to wake up tomorrow and you still knew everything that we've talked about on the show today, but there was no boxer size, you didn't have any of your contacts apart from your close family, what would you do in that first week and that first day and why? You know, So completely clean slate the actual real truth is I'd take my board and I'd go to Devon and I'd go surfing <laughs> yes uh, the answer that a lot of because <laughs> I would like a bit of time off yeah well you've got and to think the, about what you're going to do <laughs> and then yeah and then the, um, oh I know what I'd do I'd be a beach bum uh, the, <laughs> the actual truth is um, it wouldn't be that big a deal um, I'd say exercise keeps me so busy that I had I, I loads of other ideas I have so many ideas that they're just popping, falling out of my head. Um, I would, there's one idea that I've had, I've been trying to do, and I remember telling you about this a, a while ago. Um, I would go away and I would actually finish and finalise the uh, the coaching video. I have to coach better, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I would I would set to work on that. Um, I think that that potentially has a, a, a greater um, a greater impact and a greater reach than boxer size ever will have because well, it will be across many sports and would cross over into education as well. Andy, um, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's give it now. I love it. <laughs> it's very difficult because I, I don't like to take, do things that focus away from the core business. I, I completely... I, yeah, I your boxer size is just doing so yeah. brilliantly and it is, like like you say, it is consumes it consumes your, your time in your life and it is it's brilliant. It does. And I could do other things but I would be sacrificing yep. family time to do that. And, yep. um, you can't do everything. It's too great in price for me to pay at the minute. I've got a bit more time, I will finalise it. I actually have a rough draft and it's copyrighted and everything. It's all done. Oh, legend, this is awesome. Finalized, I haven't finalised the final video. I need to get some sports performers to help me yeah. out. To well, do I was thinking, you can, you can just give us a rough cut maybe in November if you come and speak down at this uh, event down south. You can give us a Actually, rough cut on the. Can, you can just test some things out. Given given twenty five minutes, I can teach them all how to do it. It doesn't take me very long. There you go. That's it. Twenty five minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Who do you think <laughs> I should interview next, and why? And you can go like you can pick out someone completely who you don't think I can get, or like way out there, like a, a Schwarzenegger, but he's already on the list, or someone who's maybe under the radar that probably wouldn't get suggested. I, I think somebody that would be very interesting to interview would be the guy who's writer who's written the book that I'm reading at the minute, Steve Peters, Dr. Steve Peters. Um, not only is he an eminent psychiatrist, um, he's worked with Team Sky with um, British Cycling. Oh, so, yeah, the guy we mentioned. This, yeah, this sounds yeah, brilliant. He's also out um, at the minute working with the World Cup, the England World Cup, um, World Cup team um, in Brazil. Um, so you'd have to wait a month or so before he goes back. But I think he would be very interesting to, to speak to. I've, I've met him once briefly at a, an athletics match, and um, I, I had no idea he, he was so knowledgeable. And, and I think he's just he's a sprinter, you know. Yeah. But um, he, he's uh, he's very very 
there's a bit more to him than meets the eye, I think. So he'd be interesting. Brilliant. What's the best way people can get hold of you, Andy, if they want to know more about size or just yourself? Uh, just Google Boxercise. There's nothing to it's find everywhere, out about isn't it? Me. I don't have don't have my own website. No. Probably never will. This is what I like. You're very under the radar, which is which is good stuff. I like it. Back in the old days, everybody said, market, what they said was, you've got to um, promote the man, promote the product. And they said, you've got to call it Andy Wake's box size and have your own name on it and everything like that. Yeah. And I went against the grain. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. Box size will be bigger than I ever will. Oh, and, nice. you know, what happens if something happens to me, box size has to continue. And um, I went against the grain and just called it box size rather than having my name into time to yeah. There was no ego involved in it or anything because, um, you know, you do see a lot of people's products where, where they are their own products. And I, I often ask them, well, what's your exit strategy? Yeah, that's the thing as well. Yeah, if you're going to sell the business, walk away from it. What are you going to do? Are you going to stay doing it forever? And they go, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, well, you should start thinking about that, indeed. Right, um, I'll let you go because I think we're almost up to this is at least time with my longest interview ever, but I've, lo- I've absolutely loved it. It's going to be a mission to edit it down, but I will do that, and it's going to be pure quality. So, um Thanks for your time. Oh, and very much for having us. Adam. No worries. And uh, worst case scenario, but hopefully I'll see you in a, a, November time, maybe if not before. Yeah, definitely. Love it. Love it. Cheers. Cheers. Have a good day. Cheers, right. man. Bye. This episode is sponsored by the UK Youth Conditioning Association. This summer and going into the autumn, we are doing our first ever UK tour. To find out more, head over to UKYCA courses.com for all the dates and the early bird is still available now so go check that out and you that's for parents teachers coaches anyone who's keen and works with under 18s so i hope to see you there join our private facebook group uk youth conditioning professional search and ask to join and we'll gladly join you to our like-minded professional the awaken your alpha podcast Live limitless with a little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.